Today, the top misguided excuses for not having a will. This is the Seven Figures Podcast Smart Money Strategies for Women with Sandy Waters. Seven Figures is sponsored by Family First Credit Union. When it comes to financial education, earning and learning go hand in hand. And Family First is here to help you and the greater Rochester community with both. Thank you so much again for being here with us. Every Friday, a new episode of the Seven Figures podcast goes up and we appreciate you being here, taking time out of your busy day to join our community, people who want to be financially confident. We don't want to deal with the stress of money. To alleviate that stress, okay, yes, it's the knowledge of what's going on with your finances, but it's also planning. That's a key component to all of this, is to look ahead and plan for the future. So today, I know it's not the sexiest topic, but it's an important discussion to have. The misguided excuses that we all make, you and me both, for not having a will. Our favorite elder law attorney from Harris Beach, Lisa Powers, joins our conversation again today. Thank you so much for coming back in. Thanks for having me, Sandy. If you were not here with us when Lisa was on before, you can scroll back to the May 10th episode, Caring for Your Parents Financially as They Get Older. And so many people commented and reacted to that episode specifically saying how much great information was in that episode. So we asked Lisa, we asked you if you would come back in every month. Oh, I'm thrilled to do it. We'll focus on one area each month, little nuggets of knowledge each time. So it won't feel so overwhelming. Yes. And we don't need to overwhelm everyone. Yeah, because we will feel overwhelmed. Yes. And we will make more excuses. (laughs) Human nature. Uh, Before we started, you called me out, which is fine. I'm okay with it. You asked me where I am with my will. And you were very brave and told me the truth. Yes, I did feel like I was sitting across from the doctor when the doctor (laughs) asks you, like, do you work out? And you're like, uh, yes. No. no. (laughs) I still have the same will that we talked about forever ago from LegalZoom. Which, as I said to you before we got on, is better than nothing. But you really want to consider sitting down with a professional, an attorney who handles estate planning. So what is it about the legal Zoom document, Will, that isn't good enough? So, and and we're not singling out legal Zoom. There are obviously lots of DIY type services, online options. Um, and again, it's better than nothing. But the problem is there are so many considerations that you need to make as you're going through this process that you may or may not get a document that works you know, that would be accepted after you pass away for the probate process, but it might not actually address your needs. And you don't have anyone to have that conversation with to assure you whether or not your actual needs and wishes have been met. You're relying that there's actually someone, you know, on the other side who's actually doing a review. But I question that because I've seen some of these products and I will tell you that cleaning up the mess after someone has passed away with a will that doesn't function properly is way more expensive than just doing it right in the first place with a professional. You know, what what prompts most people to actually sit down and do this is, and I don't know why, but it seems to be there's a huge family trip. Mm-hmm. So there's that panic. We're all going to be on the plane. And what what if? Yeah. So that usually will spark something. Um, very often it's after someone's had their first child, they recognize that they need to name guardians. 
Okay, that's when we did it. Yeah, but the the bigger issue, and of course you want to name guardians, but what happens I find is people don't always recognize that there are a whole host of property issues that come up when you're talking about how do we deal with things. You say, well, if I'm married, my spouse will automatically be taken care of, right? Not necessarily. More wealth passes today via beneficiary designations than by will. And what I mean by that is, most wealth is held in retirement funds. Most people, if you sit down when you're starting your new 401k, 403b, they'll give you a beneficiary designation form unless you leave it to your estate by default mm-hmm. or intentionally, which you never want to leave any of those uh, qualified plans uh, to your estate intentionally. The will won't matter. The will only affects individually owned assets. So anything that you own jointly or that has a beneficiary designation like retirement funds or life insurance, that all has to be coordinated with your will. When I yeah. sign up for the 401k and it says list your beneficiaries right. or whatever savings account you have or whatever, yeah, that is not enough. It has to be there and in the will and they have. Well, so he- here's an example. You know, you probably, hopefully, have danger as your primary beneficiary, right? Yeah. Well, then you have your kids as your contingent beneficiaries. But if you have them named, if you just have your kids' names there, yeah, it, they're minors, right? So in New York State, those funds, unless you have something designated where it will actually then pour into a trust under the will for the kids, will go to your kids at 18 because that's the age of majority in New York. Do you really want your kids coming into retirement funds I mean, a lot of people carry a couple hundred thousand dollars or more of life insurance. Do you really think your kids are ready to handle that kind of money at 18? Aside from the fact that, you know, perhaps they would have qualified for student aid, but now you're handing it to them. So it can really hurt financial aid. They may not be ready maturity-wise to manage it, or they may find themselves with some good friends, and I'm using friends in quotations, because if they find uh, out, they're suddenly coming into money. Yeah, okay. Right? So so you'll hear trust referred to as protection against creditors and predators. So if the kids are irresponsible and go out and run a big, huge credit card debt in their own name, but the money that you've left them is in a trust, the credit card company can't get at the money inside the trust. Okay. It puts up a wall. Okay. But okay. if you leave it to them outright, intentionally or unintentionally, that's a big problem. And some of these DIY programs Mm -hmm. that we sign up for and make it easier to, well, quote unquote, easier to set up our will. um, Each state is a little bit different, right? Yes. Yes. Property and inheritance laws differ state to state. I wonder if I sign up for a New York state. I don't even know (laughs) how long it's been. Well, well, the good news is, you know, we live in the United States. So (laughs) if it was validly executed, it can be recognized in another state. But where you can run into problems is very often there will be what we call a choice of law provision that says, and this will and any trust created under it will be governed by New York law. Well, if you move to another state, and you've got that language that says use New York law, that can cause its own problems. Oh, I see. Okay. That goes to not creating the will. That goes to reviewing it periodically and making sure it's what you need. I will be honest, it's been 10 years. Okay. Okay. So now that I confessed, if you are in the same situation, don't feel bad. (laughs) No, don't feel bad (laughs) at all. Lisa is not judging us. She's too sweet to judge us. Okay. (laughs) So now let's get to the top misguided excuses that we all make for not having a will. So number one that I hear all the time is, well, I don't have an estate now. 
I'm not a multimillionaire. It doesn't matter the amount. If you own property in your own name and you have ideas about where it should go, you should create a will so that you get to choose not only who manages it for you, who your executor would be. That's the person who pulls things together after you pass away, collects the assets, pays off the debts, and then makes the distributions, but who your beneficiary should be. Because New York State will dictate, based on family relationships, who should benefit but, you know, it can be really dangerous. There are a lot of people in our community and throughout the world who are in relationships, but they're not married. Mm. If you don't set it up, you could be seriously hurting your partner. You know, they don't automatically inherit anything if they're not a spouse. And we hear this news story, all right, with famous people. We yes. hear it all the time. yes. That's a whole other issue, you know, uh, the most recently just add it to the list. You know, I think everyone's been seeing Aretha Franklin in the news in the last few weeks. She apparently passed away without a will that had been properly put into place. It appears the court's going to have to decide that. But she left multiple versions of handwritten wills in New York. That wouldn't fly in New York. Handwritten wills are not recognized. Well, she did the DIY no one can argue that she couldn't afford to hire appropriate yeah. counsel. She certainly had access to the best in the world. And who knows what the motivation was. But these are the things that not only create chaos and expense, but it's heartache for the people that you care about. They've already lost you. They're devastated. And now you're going to leave them a mess to deal with the property, which mm. can be easily taken care of. So, yeah, number one is I don't have an estate. We all have estates of varying sizes. You know, most of us are worth more dead than alive, sadly. <laughs> you know, once you factor in life insurance, right? <laughs> okay, so we don't have an estate. Forget that excuse. You can't right. use it anymore. No, okay. you can't use that one anymore. Another one is that people say, well, you know, my kids are smart. They'll be fine. We don't need to go through all that garbage with a trust. Why, why waste the money on creating that? Well, now, if your kids are five and seven, even 10 and 12, do you really know who's going to be in their life yeah. as they get a little bit older, right? I mean, I, I have a teenager. I love my daughter's friends, but that doesn't mean that she won't encounter new people in a couple more years well, money, who would be very yes. happy to try to take advantage. Money brings out a scary side of people. It does. The greed and, yeah. Right. I mean, not always, but those are the things that can be easily protected against. So So a will really details Mm -hmm. who is going to be in control, what is going to happen. Right. Who you want to manage things, who you want to receive things. And at what age, like you said, with the kids, so they don't get it at 18. Right. And that's that's a personal choice. Um, You know, I've been practicing 21 years now, and it's kind of funny. When I first started, a lot of times when you've got really little kids, you know, you're just getting started. They're infants or toddlers. We push it out to maybe age 30, 35, because you're, of course, kind of hoping, well, at that age, okay, hopefully if they're going to school, they're finished with school. Perhaps they've settled down, you know, first house, they're they're working, they're productive members of society. By now, we should be able to release things. And then what I find with my clients who are coming back for those reviews and updates, we're bumping that ultimate termination age of the trust higher and higher. Because these days, we don't have the pension plans that people used to have. So what parents are doing now is saying, oh, my kids are absolutely responsible. They could handle this. But if we hold on to it until they're at retirement age, that inheritance in the trust is going to help them through retirement. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's not the driving force, but it's an interesting perspective that things have shifted that way. Because the parents who do have the pension plans are saying, oh my gosh, what are my kids going to live on? I see them taking these extravagant trips and buying the big house and the nice car. What are they putting away? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's true. Right. I mean, right. Okay. Another excuse that you hear a lot. So another one will be, and I, I alluded to this before, well, I'm not married. Who cares? You know, I'm single. I don't really have much. Well, are you in a relationship? Do you want that person taken care of if something happens to you? You can't assume that your family members, who are the natural beneficiaries, you know, New York State dictates, do you do you have a spouse? Do you have children? Are your parents still living? Do you have siblings, nieces, nephews? What, what's, the, what's the list? First, they go to spouse. Sure. First, we look for spouse and children. Okay. And if you don't have a spouse and you don't have children, then we look to see if your parents are still living. If the parents aren't still living, then we go out to see are there siblings. And if the siblings are predeceased, we look to nieces and nephews. So there's there's oh. a whole statutory scheme that comes into play. What about but stepkids? When you get to the kid level, they're not blood related. So good example. If you have raised these kids but never formally adopted them where they mm. would take from you and be considered your child, they'll get nothing. So it's really important to sit down and have that conversation and really lay it out. There's so many blended families now. Um, you know, and again, second marriage situations. If you are just starting to take things jointly, you know, mm-hmm. okay, now you've combined the households and you buy a new house together. So you both you put both names on the deed. Joint tenants with rights of survivorship. That's very typical. Okay, fine. The house is automatically going to that spouse. What happens to your kids from the first marriage? What have you done to take care of them? Your second spouse or third or wherever you are in that progression. <laughs> We're not does, judging. No, no, <laughs> no. This is life. Um, but they don't have any duty to take care of your children. Even though you think they will, you're right. If it's not written right, down. Even, even though you, you think that they will, and they might, there's no duty. And sadly, I've been involved in those cases where after someone has passed away, Surviving spouse comes in and says, okay, I never really liked those kids anyways. Oh, no, really? It's all mine now. It's going to my kids. And that's their prerogative. Okay. Again, you know, I come back to it. It sounds so cruel. If you love someone and want to take care of them, put it in writing. Do it formally. Make sure it's done. And then then double check that the right people are still named to handle that. Um, You know, that comes up on the elder law side where, especially when we're dealing with aging couples, you will often still have each other named to manage things. And if the spouse has any kind of dementia diagnosis or other medical issue, Mm -hmm. they might not be the appropriate person to handle things anymore. You need to make sure you have a solid backup in place. How detailed do you need to get? Do you need to say, okay, if I die, the house goes to so-and-so. If we both die, then sell the house. And I mean, how many steps do you need to list here? You don't need to deal with every individual asset. I will tell you, most attorneys, as you're going through the process, will ask, do we need to specifically give real estate to a particular person? Or is, you know, for most of us, my parents passed away. I'm not looking to move back into my childhood home. You know, they kind of understood that when both of them are gone, that house will be sold. But it is a question to ask because some people do have family homes that have been around for generations. Yes. And there may be one child who wants the house. So it's just part of the planning process. Okay. So you, you talk about should, it. if they're siblings, mm-hmm. they both have to understand what's going to happen. Yes. So they don't argue. That okay. happens often. Right. The goal is always to make sure that to the extent possible, you can minimize those disagreements. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, can't, we can't always do everything, but the 
more communication there is, I think, the better. Um, we will often offer, again, the, the clients are the ones doing the plan, but if they want to invite their children in and have a family meeting to go over the plan, I always recommend that. Yeah, yeah, so you're all on the same page. Exactly. There, nobody, there, there's no scary shock when the will is finally produced and everyone sees what's in it. Yeah, because so. when you are grieving, you're right. You don't want to have to deal with all this. You can't no. even think straight to deal with right. all of this. Right, and I think that's another um, issue. Until that will is signed with the right formalities, it's not necessarily valid. And I don't know, I, I don't remember hearing this, but it, it, when I was first starting to practice, but over the last couple of years, I can't tell you how often people will say to me, well, I have the will, I'm the executor. Did you go through the court process? Well, why would I need to go to court? I thought by having the will, I avoided probate. Probate is the process of having the will admitted to the court so that the judge says, yes, this is valid, and now you are actually the executor. Until oh. you go through the process, you're just the nominated executor. So, But so, it's a quicker process if everything is listed. It's a quicker process if it's been done correctly and we have the right information because when someone passes away with a will, you have to send copies to the people who would have inherited without a will. Oh. Right. So remember I said New York State has a default yeah. statute as to who would inherit. So when you create a will, those are the people who will receive, assuming all of the formalities have been met. And yeah. More than nine times out of ten. Um, it will be honored. That's the goal. But you still have to provide a copy of the will to those people who would have otherwise inherited. Really, you're giving them an opportunity to challenge it and say, oh, wait a minute. How many something... people challenge it? Again, anecdotal, personal experience, less than you would think. Less than you would think. Oh, because less. They... Okay, good. Yes. Well, that's good. Now, some people are, I will say, lazy and don't always return the paperwork. So it takes a while to get things going in court. But that's okay. We, we have... We have processes in place. The law is very clear on that. Okay. All right. We're trying to make this as black and white as we possibly can. Yes. Now, I can only imagine uh, another excuse would be, well, I'm gone. It doesn't matter. You guys figure it out. You get the old people saying that, don't you? Oh, my gosh, yes. The little old man going, I'm dead. It doesn't matter. Well, it may not matter to you. But again, I go back to, do you love your family members or, or your friends, your, the charities you want to benefit? Put it in writing so that it will be honored. Don't assume it's going to be taken care of. You know, I years ago was in a situation where a really sweet guy um, became quite ill, was living with his partner, knew he needed to get something in place, but just couldn't quite make up his mind about a few things and ended up passing away without ever putting it in place. Well, remember I said, if you're not married, and this was before same-sex marriages were legalized, his parents came in and kicked his partner out of the house he was living in because oh. he, he was the only one on the deed, and they were the natural beneficiaries. So, you know, not married, no kids. Oh. I can't remember who got appointed, but came in, literally kicked the partner out. You're not welcome. Didn't receive anything because he'd never put him on as a beneficiary mm-hmm. and had never finished the will. Oh, wow. And they had a long-term relationship. It's heartbreaking. So you just can't predict how other people will act. Yes, it can take a little bit of time. Yes, there's an expense to it. But the reality is for most people, once you get it done, you can pull it out every three to five years and just do a review. And more often than not, you won't need to change anything. Now, you brought up expenses. Mm -hmm. What's a a rough estimate, a gauge of how much... We so, can anticipate. So everywhere is different. You 
you, I'm sure, around town can get something done for a few hundred dollars. I would caution people if you're being quoted something less than $1,000 for a complete plan that you're probably not getting much advice. You're probably getting a form that isn't much better than what Okay, online. what I did. That's well, fine. No, it's, yeah. it's still better than nothing. <laughs> she gave me the look um, of, mm-hmm. <laughs> but these days, you know, the, the bigger issue is making sure you, and we're only talking about wills today, but when you're doing planning, you want to make sure you have everything you need in place. Will, power of attorney, healthcare proxy, possibly a living will. Um, there's some digital authorizations that can be done. And what really can make a plan work or sync it is making sure that all the beneficiary designations coordinate with the plan, just like we were saying at the beginning, because you can take all the time in the world and really be focused on, we want to set up a trust for our kids and we'll make sure that they've got money available if they want to start a business or go on trips or pay for education, right? Mm -hmm. That's usually the big one. Um, But if you then have a beneficiary designation that just names the kids and they get the money outright, well, now it's not in trust. Maybe, okay. maybe they'll use it for what you hoped they would use it for. <laughs> maybe they're going to go out and buy themselves a sports car. Yeah, right. That they crashed two weeks later, right? right? right. It's it's that kind of thing. Okay. So now how can we reach out to you? What's the easiest way? Um, phone always works great. So here in Rochester, 585-419-8869 is my direct line at the firm. You don't even have to go through the receptionist. Okay. Um, or email is great. It's L for Lisa. Powers, so L Powers at Harris, H A R R I S Beach, B E A C H dot com. Perfect. And I'll put links to it in the show notes. And uh, also on your website, we're putting up a handout about when you might want a will. Uh, you and I didn't talk today about estate tax issues. But certainly the the times that most people are thinking about a will, other than kind of the emergency situations we talked about, you know, if you own a business, that needs to go. It'd be part of this conversation. If you're retiring, take a look at things. You know, if your wealth is growing, do you have estate tax issues? That really needs to be handled via will. Okay. That will not be taken care of without that type of plan in place. Okay, perfect. Lisa Powers, elder law attorney, the pro at Harris Beach. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Like we said in the beginning, Lisa will be back on with us next month. One episode every month we'll talk to Lisa. So if you have a question, a specific question that you want her to address, just reach out to me, Sandy at RochesterBuzz.com. Okay, next week on the 7 Figures Podcast, we'll kind of keep with this theme, long-term care insurance. What are the facts? What do you need to know? Is that something that should be part of your plan? We'll talk about that. In the meantime, you have a spectacular weekend and we raise a glass and we proudly say cheers to being financially confident women. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at Sandy at RochesterBuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe and tell a friend about the seven figures podcast. Smart money strategies for women. Smart money strategies for women.